0: Let's, uh, <clears throat> let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord God, we are very grateful for this beautiful, comfortable day. We ask that we be able to sit before your word uh, humbly. In your son's name, amen. Now it's not an uh, intention that we're still in Colossians. I apologize. Uh, Colossians is one of those books that pastors, I like as a pastor, because it, it's like falling off a log in terms of writing a sermon. You know, the, the thing is so rich in such a short sp- space that you're able to do uh, an awful lot, and you read the next portion, you go, how can I not go through that? And you say, well, let me look at my list of when I preached on things. Well, I've preached on Colossians so much, and I can't read the writing anymore. Where I put the note in the margin that I, the dates of things, and I, but I know the years, and I know it was recently, like less than a year ago, I was in this very passage. But it's such good stuff, just like, just like you would, um, just like you would uh, uh, go back and read something you actually enjoyed regularly you come back and read Colossians. And there's so much stuff in it that, as I've told you before, there's different angles of attack on a passage of Scripture. Now this section from Colossians 1.27, we, we left off just about there um, last week in Colossians 1. Uh, and I'm going to take it through chapter 3, verse Four, it looks like, but i got one basic thing I want to talk to you about. To them, verse, one, verse 27 of chapter 1, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man mature in Christ. For this I toil, striving with all the energy which He mightily inspires within me. Now, many years ago, even before I was married, I verses 28, 29 were sort of my my verses for um, um, why I was in the ministry, why I wanted to do Christian work. Um, Uh, at all that him we proclaim warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man mature in Christ that is the point of our ministry I've taught that for decades Paul thought it a lot longer ago than just the decades of my life now but what's interesting here is how we read as evangelicals the Bible You'll notice I put certain things in red. In Christ, which is Christ in you, <clears throat> Him we proclaim, mature in Christ. Now, for a lot of us, it's just Christian rhetoric. You always add, just like Jesus is the answer, Jesus is always the modifier. You can always add a little clause to throw Jesus' name in there and and make it a little bit more religious, a little bit more of what we want as Christians to hear about. We want to have our, I could be talking about, I don't know, what should I talk about? Essential oils in Christ. That's all I have to do. Just say in Christ at the end of something, yoga in Christ. Uh, Republican politics in Christ. We like having that, again, modifier there that makes us know that the kind of life we're choosing to live that is just like the rest of the world is in Christ. But I don't think Paul is doing that. This is actually the thematic verse because he's talking about the mystery hidden for ages delivered to the world in the apostles, that is, Christ and the grace of God to the Gentiles making them as much a part of the body as the Jews were who believed. And that it was all based on belief. That's, I mean, you go back to Ephesians, there's always this, this is the mystery of the gospel. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Where is where's Ephesians? Ephesians uh, 3. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. That is, this is the mystery, how the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. There's something going on. There's something going on that is in Christ and it's about Christ. Now, We don't want to just remove that notion into a rhetoric. We don't want to move that notion into a rhetoric of Christianity that we just include it. We want to say, what is he saying? Because we want to be pointed at it. The basic distinction is that our religion is of Christ Jesus, it's not a religion of religion. Now, this is what. When your world divides up a certain way. You will have experiences that people don't know what it is to be in Christ, so they think the choices are being in the world or being in Christianity. There's that third choice of being in Christ, entirely different than being in Christianity or Christendom. For I want you to know, verse 1 of chapter 2. How greatly I strive for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen my face that their hearts may be encouraged as they're knit together in love to have all the riches of assured understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he's letting you know that not only is he this great mystery of being in Christ which spread the election of God to Gentile and Jew alike Breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. But that, that his whole point of his ministry is this striving to create an understanding of that mystery and of Christ because in Christ all the wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. This is, that's where stuff is. That's where your religion sits is in Christ. Now, now, don't, don't get sidetracked by theology. Don't say all my treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in my theological definition of Christ. Or this, uh, the, the, the narrative story I tell of his life on earth, or my emotional connection to the, the amount of suffering he enjoyed on the cross. I, I don't... It's, it's not about... It's in him. There's a different sort of in him. I say this, verse 4, in order... That no one may delude you with beguiling speech. Now, that means that the apostle, writing to a church that he knew, he was concerned that some would fool them. Someone would come along and fool them. That they would have a Christianity, a religion, set up that wasn't what Paul's saying ought to be. I don't, and 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 we you know what beguiling is. What do we usually use that at for? Women, right? She was a beguiling woman. What does that mean? All the guys go, I know what that means. She was beguiling, it means that she was, she had the the goods, she knew how to sell them. She knew how to make you write bad checks. It's just a, she could get you to do things. She had leverage. Why did she have leverage? Why is a woman beguiling? Because men have urges. Why can we be deluded and beguiled, fooled, deluded means fooled, by a beguiling kind of talk? Someone can come into your life and speak in a way that something in your urges is leveraged and you're fooled you know guys know it all the time we're told to buy cars because a pretty girl is standing next to it I think that affects the actual quality of the car we get a better car the more beautiful she is the better car it is I think that's the rule right any billboard with an attractive woman on it I don't care what it's selling is better because of an attractive woman on it we know these rules Women will fall for... What What do you guys fall for? Um, beauty products that promise to be ageless serum. Right? Come on, you guys. You're going to wrinkle and die. It's going to be awful. And no matter what you do, you can... You can, What is that stuff that they've been... GenuCell? Is that the stuff that supposedly... It's probably some astringent lotion that's just causing your body to go into toxic shock. Women are injecting botulism toxin into their foreheads so that they can pretend to be young longer. Because the promise of young, because you know, you are at your best at 18. We men, wonderfully, we're at our best at 55. So, hey, too bad. Been a long road down. We've all been fooled. But I want you to know that to be beguiled, to to buy the deluding, to step into a foolish place, you have to have a valuation of something that they know where to stick the lever. What does Archimedes say? Give me a place to stand and I can move the world. Because if you have a place to stand at a bar long enough, you can actually leverage the Earth out of its orbit. What is the place that gets us deluded? I say this, that no one no may, I say this, that no one may, be, may delude you with beguiling speech. Now he, what did he say? That you have all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom hid in Christ. I'm saying this to you that someone, no one can fool you. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. As therefore you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the reason he's telling you this is so that no one would make fools of you religiously. It is. It's not getting you to buy a car that isn't, you know, you, we, are, we might get taken to the cleaners by a, an appliance salesman because he's got, you know, a gold cap tooth and a big smile. We have been fooled, promised much. I don't know if you've ever been to listen to a salesman at a timeshare presentation and you get a free TV or ice chest for listening to a timeshare sales pitch. And I don't know if anybody ever has bought something like that under the pressure. We're not concerned other than the tragedy that is to your budget. There's not the kind of tragedy we're dealing with here. Diluted with beguiling speech. We don't want people to lead you astray into what this religion is. And he's happy to see that in Christ. They have that which is necessary. And then he asks, as therefore, verse 6, you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. As this has happened, as this connection with the center of your religion has happened, so live in him. It's rooting you and building you up it's establishing you by teaching and with lots of thanksgiving. Where you stand, you, it doesn't matter what church, it might matter a little bit, it doesn't matter what theology. If you're in Christ, and if you go after Christ in your life as you went after him for under salvation, if you deliver yourself up to be reaching into the, you might say, into the ground of your Christian life and having uh, the edifice you build in your Christian life actually be a good thing, established by the teaching. It says, established in the faith just as you were taught. This is all being said so that you will not be deluded with beguiling speech. Christ, central. Central as you received him, so go after him. Allow that to have its purpose. Allow that to be your religious effort. Because rooted and built up and established in the teaching and abounding in thanksgiving is pretty much all of it. Where you're going with your life is Christ. Now in verse 8, he says, see to it that no one makes prey of you. This is He's still on the same subject when he says, I don't want you to be deluded with beguiling speech. And, and then he says, this is what your life is supposed to be about, Jesus Christ. And the wisdom and knowledge hid in him. And you pursuing him like you pursued him. Not it, not this, not joining this club, but him. You were looking for a God, you found a God. And that your life in this Christianity is about that God, not about that Christianity. The phrase, a religion of religion. Are we religious of the religion of Christianity, or are we religious about the God of Christianity? Because there are a lot of people out there in the world beguiling you on the subject. Most of religion is beguiling you on the subject most everything out there written by Christians, and I'm talking about people who you may be sharing eternity with because they actually came to Christ at some point at camp in high school and now they're writing theological works that are just abominations or they're pastoring things that are just everything but what Christianity is you could be made prey of by these things, by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elements, elemental spirits of the universe, key element, and not according to Christ. Because, frankly, you will have a bedrock, um, you call it fundamental. Okay, you, know, you heard of fundamentalists? Uh, it came off of a book written back in the early part of the last century called The Five Fundamentals. And people who were seeing the encroaching uh, uh, liberalism of the early part of the last century broke away from the mainline churches on the basis they were believing in the fundamentals. And so they were called fundamentalists. Well, everyone has fundamentals. They just don't agree with those five. They just say they have fundamental points of meaning. Fundamental things that matter. And he's warning them, see to it. That means don't let it happen. You've got marching orders that I must not allow this to happen in my life. And what I must not allow to happen in my life is that someone would prey on me with smarty pants talk. Okay? Now I love smarty pants talk. I love. We were in a debate last night. Black Kenny was over, and some uh, NSA graduates. Time came up we had to salt the floor and wrestling like sumo matches trying to push each other out of the room very very complicated discussion very very difficult to understand I love that sort of thing but some, for some people they're essential for some people they're essential uh, what's the word well, they're fundamental. They're element. We have the periodic table of elements, right? That's our sciencey way of looking at basic building blocks of the cosmos. Uh, the elemental spirits of the universe here are not the elements of that. They are some other Greek philosophy called the stoicheion. But we have certain things that you reach. That's it's not going to be the same thing that ancient... Uh, Gentiles in the Mediterranean Basin were sidetracked by. Some of us were sidetracked by philosophy. Some by, what does he say, human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the universe. What are your, what are your elements? What are your fundamentals? What are your um, guidances? Because those are things that shape how you can be fooled. And St. Paul is telling you not to have a, de- a, 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 a philosophic deference that can be fooled. Empty deceit, what does it say? Makes prey of you by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition. Now, I don't know if you're Aristotelian, or you're, whether you're a Platonist, or whether you're a... Existentialist, or I don't know what you might choose to be. All of those are traditions of various volumes of hum- human deceit, um, right to a certain degree, wrong to a certain degree. But for some people, the smarty-pants people who deal with big thoughts are the ones who wear the lab coats and the, carry the white clipboard and tell you where to get off. I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. They are not the purveyor of truth, but they portray themselves as purveyors of truth, and we fall for it. He said we're supposed to see to it that we're not deceived, that no one makes prey of you with this stuff. Because the problem is not so much that it's thinking. If your fundamental is philosophy, if your fundamental is human tradition, if your fundamental is the elemental spirits of the universe... Which are generally earth, air, fire, and water. In case you're wondering the Stoichaeon, where they were considered, Galatians mentions them, they're mentioned here, uh, ultimate, veritably sent, uh, sentient forces that guided elements of the cosmos. That's how they, just like we view the elemental periodic table. This is everything that is. those things are replacements for Jesus Christ. And if you can be made prey of, that means that Jesus Christ was not what you were living in accord with, or you were thinking in accord with. For in him, verse 9, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Remember, this is a a proto-Gnostic tract against the proto-Gnostics. When he says this earlier in chapter 1, he talks Uh, About the fullness of deity dwelt bodily in him, and then now he says, in the present tense, the fullness of deity dwells bodily in Christ. It's a huge, huge idea that you're saying this about the God, that your God, Jesus Christ, is physical. To the degree that Christ is God, but remember, with Christians, we're trying to find the religion of Jesus Christ, not the religion of the religion of Christianity. We want to be in accord with Christ. I have to admit, right here it says that, for in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. All that is God is in Christ physically. And you have come to fullness of life in him, who is the head of all rule and authorities. Make a presumption about what you have seen in your life, what you've encountered. Because he's making a claim that, just like he says, therefore as you receive Christ, so live in him. He's making the point that he's saying, you should be looking to stop this kind of delusion that you might be pulled into. You have, he is fullness of deity, you have fullness of life in him. In him, verse 11 also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. And you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now I want to warn you about something, I'm not going to talk about this, but people make a connection between circumcision and baptism, fine to make, but they start to do the things with circumcision and baptism that this passage is against. Remember how when we were talking on the Sermon on the Mount a few weeks ago, and Jesus Christ gives you the Lord's Prayer, which the whole Christian church and all of Christian history has disobeyed the immediate teaching surrounding it? Because he tells you, when you pray, go to your closet, and the Father who hears in secret will reward you in secret. And then we say, no, 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 no. We're going to all do this together aloud in church. And we have to memorize it. The Our Father. We do that a lot. Here, it's saying, this is a circumcision without hands. It wasn't physical circumcision. And a baptism, which was basically you having died with Christ and being raised with Christ, was not being done like the circumcision was made without hands. The baptism was without hands. You were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, I've baptized enough people to know that I pulled them up out of the water. I made some mistakes. I clocked one guy's head against the end of the baptismal because I put him in the wrong place. And I wasn't used to this. You know, It was a you know, metal baptismal and just about knocked him out. But, uh, and the other guy, I think I mentioned him before, I couldn't get him to go under. He was a wrestler, and he just braced and wouldn't go under, and uh, so I figured God understood and let him go. But we know those are things that I could or could not do. I had a Baptist pastor I knew about in California, that 80 year old guy back in the '70s, and he, he said he once got a guy in a river, and he couldn't get him to go down, but he didn't know he had him over a log, a log had was under him and it just these are just professional problems but that's not the kind of baptism we're talking about just like it's not the circumcision of the Jews we're talking about, that was a symbol the baptism we do with water is a symbol the baptism you have is being, you, you put off or the, the, the circumcision is you were uh, putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ you were being buried and raised with Christ in Christian baptism, not the physical water baptism but the baptism of Christ, which is baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I need to look, what people then do is they make these elements centerpieces of religious Christianity. And then they'll break up into denominations. I don't know what view you hold on baptism. You might have disagreed with me from the beginning on that. Fine. But we don't want to be the kind of Christians that lead with our religion because we're told that our religion if it's not Jesus Christ, if it is not in him if it's not about and toward and with look at those words throughout that section I have, in him, in him in him, with him, with him with him, in him it keeps popping up and it's not just a religious rhetorical clause that we're throwing into the sentences because that's the meaning of the passage don't get caught up in a world where you're deluded by your eagerness to have human tradition, your eagerness to have deep philosophy, your eagerness to venerate ultimate powers like the elemental spirits. He says that in verse 16. Let's read down to it. Verse 13. And you who are dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them triumphing over them in him. Now remember, he had introduced those principalities back in chapter 1 when he said all the things were created through him and for him, whether thrones, dominions, or principalities, or authorities. This whole thing is magnifying the God, magnifying the object of our religion, which is Christ in you. Him we proclaim. That was only back in verse 22, of chapter 1. Him we proclaim. Because we're talking, if, you're, if you read any ancient religious literature, um, much of it is wars of the gods. Um, uh, so you have, uh, what was it, Titanomachis and, and uh, the Enuma Elish in Babylonian um, myth was the creation epic. By the creation epic, they meant how did Marduk get to the top of the pantheon? And all the previous gods, you know, conspired or did things, and finally Marduk ta-da, does something and he beats Tiamat and Napsu and makes the world out of their body parts. But how did Marduk come to the top of the Babylonian pantheon? He wasn't historically the top, he wasn't organizationally the top, he had seized the top we are Christians we came out of a monotheistic religion that preached the one true God and the Christ came to earth as that God the fullness of deity physical dying redeeming people by his death it is about him And it's about you coming to know him. And have everything you have in him. Because if you don't, you got three choices. Okay? Simplify this. Um, You either come to know Jesus Christ and live in him as you come to know him. Or you get all over yourself in religion. Which will just make you just smell the aroma of religion is not a good one, or wildly profligate, sinful beyond measure I mean you're just going you 're either going to be religious in some sense, some moralizing even if you 're not a Christian just some sort of moralizing person who wants to stop bad things from happening, and you can see the list that people think are bad things now you know the, it used to be that drunkenness was a, considered a sin now it's driving under the influence so the most sainted person on the planet every weekend is the designated driver because he doesn't he doesn't drive intoxicated why don't you stop getting intoxicated we don't have to have designated drivers we have, we, we make up rules, we love having rules because one class of, remember, you either have a religion of a religion, you've made a religion out of religious observations or you have a religion with a God and the God is he who you seek and our God is Jesus Christ God the Father God the Holy Spirit it's one God remember we're not polytheists here or you love hearing blah well, well, I'll get to that in a second he says therefore verse 16 let no one pass judgment on you he said just a see to it that no one tricks you One, understand you're about Christ don't let anyone trick you with other points of leverage. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink. Now, because you know, as you've gone through Christian life, you've even maybe struggled with these questions. Because, boy, the deluding, the beguiling, goes on all the time, for centuries. Trying to convince you that the Mosaic food laws are somehow incumbent upon Christians now Paul is speaking directly to that, food and drink don't let anyone pass judgment on you because once you find yourself in Christ you find yourself in liberty you are driven to godliness through love you do the right thing by your neighbor you love your God you love your neighbor you're not a law oriented Christian but people who think the only path to righteousness is through the law. Even though Paul says if righteousness were through the law, we'd have no need of grace. It's not through the law, but they're going to pass judgment on you because you sit down to eat with the Gentiles or you eat food offered to idols or you did something that they don't think is right. Or with regard to a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. That is... So, that's a phrase out of the Old Testament, festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths. It is a positive phrase in in the Old Testament about the Jewish law. It is built on festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths. And Paul's going, don't let anyone judge you in regard to that. Church calendar issues, food laws... He says, why? These are only a shadow of what is to come, verse 17. The reason why it doesn't mean anything to you as believers, and you can see to it they don't deceive you, and you don't let anyone do this to you, is because the substance belongs to Christ. The substance belongs to Christ. They're a shadow. They don't have any substance. That's why they're coming at you to talk to you about why you're letting your family eat pork. Or you don't keep the S- Feast of St. Swithin's or whoever it is, you know. I've told you before I we celebrate Christmas in my house, but not because it's Christian. <laughs> it's it's cultural, European. It's nice the kids like it and you get to give gifts, you know. And I'm glad we tell Christian stories at that time, but it's not a Christian thing. It's not told. The Bible doesn't tell anything about celebrating the Lord's birth. It's just something our culture decided to do. Keep it separated. Don't let it become. Because some things are going to actually seem, you might say, eternal, like Sabbaths. It looks on the list, right? Festival, new moon, or a Sabbath? That goes way back. That goes back to creation. And St. Paul's going, that's, that's not what it's about. Those are shadows. And if I believe in tradition, and it's a biblical tradition, how easily you will be deceived. Because you have not found that the substance is Jesus Christ. This was the problem with the mystery of the gospel. This was the problem that faith could let the Gentile, most of you are Gentiles, other than Caleb, Uh, some more Gentile than others we have access to the God the Father through the Son because of faith in Jesus Christ all of those rules in the law would keep us out we found the substance in the preaching of the gospel and we found it as we look back at the Old Testament it's not saying, everyone said the Old Testament's not true no, it's true, as a shadow pointing to the Christ as an image pointing to the Christ. It is not the thing itself. Don't live as if it's the thing itself. Don't live as if the law of Moses was a fundamental. It says in Ephesians, he has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances. That's what happened let no one disqualify you, let no one pass judgment on you, verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on, oh man, this stuff is all really religious sounding, man, you'd probably really be impressed with somebody like this, self-abasement, I mean, that's, really, yeah, that's the thing. you know, we are nobody Lord, we are nothing in your, your, your presence, we are worshipful, we're, we are just broken humanity with our, with our sins and we, you know, we're, we're, we're supplicating to God, the worship of angels, boy, you can't talk about angels without going. Really? If I said, man, I'm doing this Bible study on Revelation this summer, and I, I'm sorry, I, I just was doing that to get someone to come. <laughs> the other things you can do is life between the sexes. Man, people. Should. Well, yeah, I was really interested in the Bible study this summer. The other one is angels. Because I did a Bible study years ago called Things That Go Bump in the Night. Um, and boy, people attended. Because all I was doing was going through the Bible showing them all the weird things that happened. Oh yeah, like that, angels. Man, angels get me far more jonesed than Jesus Christ. Maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> That's it. Uh, what is it? Check yourself and go, yeah, that, is, that, that does work. If I had if I had a choice to meet Jesus Christ or meet Michael the Archangel, Hello. worship of angels, taking his stand on visions. People have those, and I, I really had a vision for this ministry, I just have to say, in Christ. I really had a, really, a, a, a burden, I really have a burden for this. or. <laughs> Taking your stand on things unsupported that don't have the, <coughs> the authority. <coughs> Excuse me. Puffed up. Puffed up. You know, like knowledge puffs up. You know that verse? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Well, some people think that this kind of religious piety, the self abasement, um, visions, angels, they don't think that puffs up as well. People get all full of them themselves thinking they are something when they are nothing. Because their sensuous mind, they were not, what does it say? Without reason, by their sensuous mind. Just because, i made this point, something I was working on yesterday, writing, A lot of people think if a, if, if a thought goes through their head, they're reasoning. No, a thought went through your head. And if you thought something based on the sensual circumstance, doesn't make it rational. Laws of inference make something rational. You take a thought and you make it abide by the laws of inference, then you get truth claims out of it. But they're puffed up without reason by their depending on their sensuality. We're all looking at the things, the places your Archimedes can stand to budge you out of the faith, to delude you with beguiling speech. If you hear of angels, if you hear of, 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 of monastic denial, I mean, monasticism, my goodness, I mean, that's all rooted in Gnosticism. It's all rooted in a denial of matter. That somehow doing without things Now, Lewis makes that point in Weight of Glory that we think that doing without is better than loving others. But that's how we measure religion. But if we were looking at Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be measuring religion that way. We'd be looking at Christ, our God, who would lay out for us what it was to live like Jesus Christ. Not holding fast to the head, verse 19 from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If I have the connection with Jesus Christ, if I am with him, in him, seeing my religion, my point of standing, my fundamental, is my walk with Christ. Not my theology about my walk with Christ. Not my theology about this passage. But Christ himself. I will be joined, uh, nourished and knit together and have a growth that is from God. People who are devoted to building a religion of the religion of Christianity are professionals. They get the book contracts and they get to be seen, they get to get heard. Um, Every so often you get reminded what a bad mistake that process it is. I was talking to Mike Jones the other night. His family went to Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. His father was on staff with McDonald. McDonald, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was the head pastor of this mega church group. There were 13,000 members in the Chicago area. until he started getting weird and he made the mistake of asking his bodyguard to kill somebody and then another good friend who happened to be a talk show host uh, to kill somebody. Kind of ruined his ministry that time, kind, of, kind of, you know, I don't know if you would think that I should be defrocked if I try to take a hit out on one of you. I would think it'd be wrong, just my own position. <coughs> I, I hold that very strongly. Murder is wrong. These are not people, these are people who are building our religion of the religion of Christianity. It's not, again, it's not the religion of Christianity, it's the religion of the religion of Christianity. It pulls out those things that we think, well, how could this be wrong? It looks so wise. This, this guy who's got a great ministry, who's got a lot of books, has said things. If with Christ, verse 20, you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, big question. Remember, this is the nature of your Christian life. You came to him a certain way. You came to him. You didn't come to church. You came to him. Live that way, as if he were your center. Not all souls Christian, not any church, not any theological understanding, but him. If you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Paul is curious. He said, if this is true, and the elementals, other fundaments that you may pick up on, as being your America first, you know Jesus Christ in America, or uh, uh, if you're uh, uh, Jesus Christ and equity to all men, whatever your fundamental is that's moving you, that's where the lever is going to be placed, the fulcrum to move you into something wrong. You want to make sure that you you know, what you died to. Because when we came to Christ the other claims to centerpiece the other claims to motivational or inertial force that matters to us the most that I can be moved to do something on the basis of for some of you it's family. So how could that be wrong? Because Jesus Christ says I come before family. Look down at your children say to yourself But these kids, they're so wonderful. Yeah, but Jesus Christ is more wonderful than your kids. Even the twins. I'm sorry, ladies. If you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why are you such a sucker for obvious earthly religion? Because remember, you're either going to be because when when St. Paul says you know the law is over some people's eyes light up they're usually 14 year old boys and they go oh my gosh you mean I can do anything I want yes why do you want that anything you want when when you can have anything you want the only thing we're discovering is what kind of a bastard you are (laughs) okay that's that's all because if anything you want doesn't mean Jesus Christ you're the very reason people get all religious because they can't trust their, their youth to live righteously on the basis of Christ so they have to why do you submit to regulations I don't know how many times I've used this verse on people but they almost don't realize it's in the Bible because it is so antithetical to the religion of the religion of Christianity You will never... There are no... There is nowhere written down. I have strong opinions about food. I have strong opinions about... I don't know... Stuff... Motorcycles... Various things. But you'll never get a rule that you have to like Triumph Motorcycles... Because the pastor likes Triumph Motorcycles. Or you shouldn't eat kale. You shouldn't. Okay? Just because... For heaven's sake kale. Somebody phoned us the other day yesterday. They had been to a Christian conference, and there was leftover food, and it was quinoa and split pea salad. Oh, excuse me, lentils, same difference. I, I, she's on the phone. Nope, nobody's going to eat that. You know not cattle? I know some of you are going, "Oh, quinoa's great. It's pronounced Kenoa. <laughs> I looked it up in the Oxford English Dictionary. It's pronounced quinoa. I have opinions. But they should never be. Why do you submit to regulations? And he gives you examples. Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. That's what regulations are like. Because... When you don't have Jesus Christ in the love of God, and for the love of God, pursuing him as you pursued him into the faith, where your desire to please your Lord moves you to love your neighbor, and you know the option, if there is no law, sin lies right at hand, let's make a church that's got sufficient, you want say, controls. Why do we live as if we still belong to the world? Because we're not talking to saved people. Or we're talking to saved people who don't act and live like they're saved. If you have died to the elemental spirits, why do you still do this? It's referring to things which all perish as they're used, according to human precepts and doctrines. Now, we, we already de- dealt with the religious ones that are written in the Bible, the festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths, food and drink laws. Those are, those are biblical but a lot of churches come up with rules of their own devising. Why do they come up with them? Because, verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom. I don't know how many times I've been told by somebody who's representing one of the rules, you know it's wise. You know, I know it's, it's just wisdom. Well, why is, it, why is it wise to you to disobey the scriptures? Why do you believe that having regulations is going to make you more like the Lord Jesus. Well, because it's wise. Well, why, What makes you think it's wise? Well, you know, it's better for me to have command of my own body, right? Oh, yeah, that's the rest of the phrase here. It has the appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity of the body. It's exactly what everybody offers you in their defense of doing it you got to make sure your body doesn't get out of control a lot of self control here so we're going to make vows and we're going to have these things and those things why don't we just not even go near this and that people have been doing this kind of religion for centuries for millennia this is what the world will give you as religious rigor Right? Because if you're going to have a religion of the religion of Christianity, everyone's going to measure themselves. There's guys who go to church, Christmas and Easter. There are people who attend regularly. Then there are people who kind of teach Sunday school class or do something, you know, volunteer, help out. Then people who actually have some official standing. You have different ways of playing this game. Then you have the the godly ones, the people that are really, in whatever church you're in, people that are really... uh, Um, puffed up without reason by their sensuous mind because they have the wisdom of this kind of obedience. But what does the apostle tell you? They have the appearance, yeah, that's why you're fooled. But he says, that's not what you are. You died to the elemental spirits. How can you? This is why you get deceived. Print this out. Put it on your refrigerator. Not so that you can go live the way... Well, actually it is. So you can go live the way you want to. And we're asking those of you who know Jesus Christ to express that want for Jesus Christ. Because doing it this way... But they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. It doesn't work. Not only is it it unbiblical, it doesn't work. The most rigorous, monastic, difficult code of conduct situations, I don't care whether they're secular or religious, you just find a steaming pile of sin underneath the surface. They're hiding it. I mean, look at the priesthood in Roman Catholic Church. Right? They have vows of celibacy. It means they can't get married. Though God said once, it's good to marry if you had that issue. He said, no, we're going we're gonna to make it more costly. We're going to be devoted to Jesus Christ by having more severity to the body. Rigor of devotion. And pretty soon I have A homosexual cult. Or pedophilia. Or all sorts of abuse and sin. It's no value. It doesn't do anything. And if you believe they're more righteous. If you're surprised when the next pastor goes down in a flame of profligacy. And I just say that so that I can say the word profligacy. One more shot at another pastor who proves the hypocrisy of our religious ways. This is, you did not so learn Christ. If with Christ you died to these fundamentals, you've got Christ as your fundamental. And that's where you should be learning. Don't get tricked into living the religion of religion. If then, verse one of chapter three, you've been raised with Christ. it has how it said, "If you have died with him, to the elementals, that's going to affect one thing. If you, then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. There are two parts to this: setting you free from stupid. OK? Not work, never worked. People who claim religious ritual, religious law keeping, is going to make righteousness, is going to make God pleased with you. It has never worked for 2,000 years. It just made things worse. If you find that that's not true, that's you dying to that world. So don't let yourself be dragged back into it. But then the other half of this is you've got to set, be set free from that tendency for people that once the rules, the lights go out and the rules are gone. To be sinners. If we've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. if you've met Jesus Christ, you don't don't get sucked back into that religion. And you don't, when you tumble out of that religion, you don't fall into a pit of sinfulness because you are seeking where Christ is at the right hand of God. Our life is hid with Christ. That's how you operate. And Anybody who comes at you with that the sack of stupid religion? Say, I don't don't think so. You're not going to make prey of me with your philosophy and empty deceit, your human tradition, your laws, your religion. Find where Christ is, because that's where you want to be. You want to meet Christians for whatever church they're from, have them in your set of fellowship Where Christ is most important. Leslie and I have, over the years, realized that we've known people who are very interested in talking about things uh, because we have a philosophical ministry. There are some people who want to talk about Jesus Christ. Maybe philosophically, but they want to talk about Jesus Christ. There's a difference in those people. Seek those people be looking for those games, those books, those characters, where Christ has been. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's thank God. Dear Lord God, we're grateful. Keep us in your son. That the effect that he has on real religion, the kind of religion that serves your kingdom and serves your desires in our lives will be manifest in us. Being a help to each other. Keep us from building deception. In your son's name we pray. Amen.